Welcome to Wacky Wednesday on the Arrowhead Attic channel. I'm Adam Best, joined as always by the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. Very excited for today. I've been a huge fantasy degenerate probably for 30 years. This is how far back it goes. My dad used to play in a league where they had to hand score everything with newspapers and they would do the draft live and in person. They'd have like this old school draft room in somebody's living room. And my dad brought like 11 year old me and nine year old Zach in like little suits to be his assistants. I mean, that that was when the the addiction uh, was born. So this is my draft war room right here. I get in a robe, I light up a cigar, I have myself a nice old fashioned and I just get ready to uh, make some incredibly dumb decisions. It's it's cool. Not quite Jerry Jones's boat, but you know, it'll do, I think. Uh, before we bring on a very special guest to make sure you guys know what's going on in the fantasy football world, I also to make sure you guys know we have an unbeatable offer from Caesars Sportsbook. New customers can get their first bet insured up to 1250 bucks using our code ARROWFULL while signing up. Not only will your first bet be completely insured, but you'll also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you haven't already joined the Caesars Sportsbook community, now is the perfect time to make your move. Just remember to enter our code ARROWFULL during sign-up and place that first bet. This offer is available to new customers for 200 plus and fully present legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And if you already have a Caesars account, you can head to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets to find more betting offers and ways to support the podcast. You ever hear of the rapper Twista? Oh, yeah. That's, that's basically you, man. I'm impressed. Yeah. Overnight celebrity, right? There you yeah, go. exactly. I'm thrilled to say that fantasy football season is finally back. So to help us prepare, we're joined by one of the sharpest minds in the business. He heads up content at Underdog. And if you haven't checked out their app or YouTube channel yet, don't walk, run, great stuff. Let's welcome Hayden Weeks to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's uh, going on over in uh, Underdog World? Yeah, so on our app, if you guys aren't familiar, we have almost $20 million up for grabs for fantasy football. This best ball space has completely exploded over the last couple of years. We have the biggest tournament. Best Ball Mania right now is a $15 million fantasy football tournament. It's never been done before. And the fun part about this is if you are playing, like Adam, like you were saying, with that league that's been around forever, this is a good way to prep because there's no management in the season. You can do hundreds of drafts. There's users on our account that are doing thousands of drafts in the offseason because because you just do the draft and we set your optimal lineup each week. There's no waiver wire. There's no setting your lineups. There's no rejecting those terrible trade offers that come in uh, from your worst friend. You can just draft and we'll set your optimal lineups and compete for millions of dollars. So that's what we're doing over there. And then Josh Norris and I have a fancy football podcast as well. Can you talk more about this best ball format mm -hmm. as far as say your dude gets injured? Do you guys automatically then pick someone off of the waiver wire? How does this really work, this format? So there's 18 rounds uh, for the traditional football league, and you only start one quarterback, three wide receivers, one tight end, two running backs, and a flex. So you have a, a pretty long bench. So if a player does get injured, there's no waivers. You're not replacing him. But you have your optimal lineup coming in every single week, and everybody is under the same circumstances. So everyone's dealing with injuries. But the key to best ball is – Think about upside to win these millions of dollars. You have to beat a lot of players. So you have to be thinking about some high upside picks. Um, there's lots of strategy components that we talk about out there. But the real key part of it is you can do lots of drafts and prepare for your home leagues. And our average draft position is being updated every single day. So when like a Kadarius Tony has an injury or if, if Justin Ross keeps making huge plays, our ADP is going to shift every single day with people that are drafting for cash that's so really going to get you prepared yeah and you guys have the bigger drafts and the best ball mania draft which is 25 dollars per entry but i really like the puppies those mm -hmm. five dollar uh drafts i feel like they're the best way to prep for draft season because you know you do an espn or fantasy pros mock draft how serious is everybody are they on autopilot are they doing other stuff mm -hmm. when money is at stake i feel like everyone is much more dialed in and they're their true thoughts even for me, I feel like what I truly think comes out. You know, I can say one thing leading into draft season, and then I start like, you know, I never picked Jerry Judy. We'll get to him. Mm -hmm. So I think those kind of feelings come uncovered. The best ball format is a really good one for the Chiefs wide receiver room because after the turmoil with Kadarius Tony, 
And to me, he's basically Kenny from South Park. He can never get through an episode unscathed, right? Yep. What do the current ADPs of this group from Kadarius Tony at the top all the way down to Richie James and Justin Ross tell us about what the public thinks? So initially, Kadarius Tony was being drafted in like the sixth, seventh round, which was pretty aggressive. At the same time, stacking is like a component for best ball, which just means if you've drafted a player like Patrick Mahomes in round two or three, you want to draft his teammates because of the positive correlation helped your team go from fourth place up to possible first place if the team goes off. So all the Chiefs wide receivers are going to be priced pretty aggressively for what their past production is. And I get that because Patrick Mahomes is so good. Initially, Kadarius Tony was going way ahead of Sky Moore. That gap has closed. They basically go right next to each other right now. And I actually think it's going to flip. It does sound like there's a possibility that Kadarius Tony starts on IR, which he would miss the first four games because they have so many wide receivers that they want to keep on the roster. So I think Sky Moore is going to be the first drafted wide receiver when the ADPs kind of settle in. And then you have Rasheed Rice and MVS going right next to each other. And then the, they get drafted every single time. And then you have your Richie James, just, Justin Ross, Justin Watson, complete flyers. They don't get drafted every single time. They're not going to be in the mix for, for redraft. To me, the key is which wide receiver is going to be playing on the outside. Last year was MVS and Justin Watson. Justin Watson doesn't just, he's just out there kind of to block and run these kind of clear out routes. Not that interesting to me. If either Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, or Rasheed Rice can get out there in two wide receiver sets and actually win down the field, I think that's going to be the guy to own. But it sounds like Kadarius, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, they're all kind of like this inside gadget type of player. And that's what makes it so difficult. So like right now, the guy that I'd kind of draft is just MVS because I know what his role is. He's paid fairly well. And he goes actually fourth in, on underdog. What is his ADP? Uh, like 150-ish? Does that sound right? Yeah, uh, MVS is at 149 overall. He's the wide receiver 67. And the other thing about best ball is because we take your optimal lineup, it doesn't really matter if like your wide receiver has a three-point game because one of your other wide receivers will do better than that. And in redraft, like you have to choose the game that MVS goes off, and that's very frustrating when he has a, a dud. But MVS, when he does have that 20-point game because he catches a long touchdown pass, then he's in your lineup. So he's one of these like better and best ball type of players that I kind of love because he wins downfield. Uh, as a Richie James truther, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I need some more love for my guy, Richie James. But I want to talk about Isaiah Pacheco. He's going around the 88th pick. Why is a lead back with this upside? He's in the league's best offense. Why is he lasting until the mid-seventh round? It's a fair question. I have some concerns with Pacheco's film. He runs really hard. I appreciate that. And that's kind of all they need because their offensive line is so good. But even when I kind of as a Pacheco um, have a little bit concerns with him, I still ranked him ahead of where he's going on underdog. I can't really figure it out. I think probably what it is is because the Chiefs are so focused with the running backs in the receiving game, and they didn't trust Pacheco in that capacity at all. He basically wasn't being used on any of the passing situations. That's when they would bring in Jarek McKinnon. And also, we're still trying to get Pacheco back in there at a full-time capacity. It sounds like he's going to be cleared by August 20th, somewhere around there, which is good. Probably not ideal. I think he's going to be fine. I, I have been drafting some CEH a little bit just because he's out there in uh, first-team offense right now. And the good thing about CEH, he's, well, completely free. Nobody wants to draft him. I totally get why. But at the same time, if Jarek McKinnon has a setback or he's just too old this year or the Chiefs are saving him for the playoffs – I do think that CH can be a factor in the pass game role. And then if Pacheco's shoulder injury lingers around a little bit, I do think that CH could also be the early down back. So my favorite player to draft in Chiefs backfield, hate before it is actually Clyde <laughs> Edwards Hilaire. Uh, no, I I uh I took him in an earlier draft, I think maybe today, at around 200. So it is good value if Pacheco isn't healthy if they're saving McKinnon for the playoffs, like you said. Some of this is CEH PTSD, right? Oh, oh yeah. Nobody there's once you've been burned once or twice, people don't want to draft you at all. And that's kind of like buying the dip. Like that happened with like James Conner a couple years ago where he was like being drafted fairly high. And then he had that huge season with the Cardinals and just one of these players. They're not the fastest player. They kind of burned you once or twice. Everyone's like, forget it. Never doing it again. But like you said, in your, in your opening part of the question, this is the best offense. They're one of these running backs can score 12, 15 touchdowns out of nowhere. Jarek McKinnon just did that last year. I think CH has enough skills to, to at least do that. My kind of thought is what if they begin to trust Isaiah Pacheco in pass protection? 
he started to get a little bit involved in the passing game late in the season. I just think those running backs are probably even better values than the, uh, the wide receivers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. A quick, quick question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Eric Prince seems like he's going to be a special teamer now, probably going to be on the active roster. Do you think that means bad things for like Jarek McKinnon potentially? Or do you think McKinnon's role is pretty safe? Because McKinnon actually, he goes 123rd overall in underdog. I know he had a great season last year, but that seems fairly high for literally like the old, oldest running back in the league. Um, do you think that Daenerys Prince is going to factor into this equation at all? Not necessarily. I, I think they keep comparing him to Niall Davis, and for good reason. He is going to be the kick returner in my eyes. They might keep four running backs. I think it would be Clyde would be in more jeopardy than anyone else. Jerick McKinnon, he's the best pass protector on this team. One of the best pass protecting running backs in the NFL. There's still some question marks at left tackle since they moved on from Orlando Brown Jr. to Donovan Smith. I think McKinnon's role is fairly safe, especially as the season progresses. I'm with you, Adam. Until we see Isaiah Pacheco in that role, I don't think McKinnon has any shot of losing his roster spot. So I think it's more of a Clyde than anything else. But even him, I think, is fairly safe. I think generic Prince is a fun story. Everyone mm-hmm. likes to root for the underdog. I, I think the thing with Prince that's exciting is his pass receiving chops are better than what we were hearing about Pacheco a year ago. So that's kind of enticing. But I don't know that Andy Reid is going to entrust a rookie to pass protect for his, you know, half a Billy quarterback. I just don't, I just don't really see it. Maybe late in the season, uh, once in a while, there's a rookie running back, like we're hearing Roshan Johnson can really pass protect. Right. But it's, it's kind of pretty rare. Let's move on to some AFC West questions now. So how have the additions of Broncos head coach, Sean Payton and chargers offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, how have those additions changed the outlook for their respective uh, teams? So the Broncos is encouraging because there's like a functional, just overall philosophy. And obviously that's been in the in the storylines recently. But for fantasy purposes, Sean Payton's offense with like peak Drew Brees was a lot of fun. But when Drew Brees was kind of falling off, he really like turtled up his offensive pace, his offensive pass rate. And everything about this offseason and not even just his words, but his actions, bringing in tight ends and offensive linemen and and running backs. I used to be one of the very slowest, most balanced play action offense. Don't let Russ cook. Try to get Russ to be a little bit more mobile. Last year, that was the big difference to me is Russ was unable to break any sacks, could not break out of the pocket. And that's where he was so successful. He has dropped some weight, but I would be pretty surprised if this wasn't a very balanced offense based around Samaj P. Ryan and Javante Williams. The more exciting one is definitely Kellen Moore. And that's where like if a team's going to close the gap with the Chiefs, and we say this every single year, it's not going to actually happen. It would be the Chargers just because there's a lot of things with Kellen Moore. It's just, I think, kind of like with Sean Payton, there's just a functional coach. I was not a huge fan of Lombardi and just the downfield passes are going to be there. And it's not just because Kellen Moore was going to dial up some downfield passes. Justin Herbert wasn't able to stay inside the pocket as much and take those big hits because he's dealing with the rib injury. One of the best left tackles in the league. He only played 14% of the snaps. He's back and healthy. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were on the field together for only 22% of the Chargers offensive snaps. Now you upgrade Quentin Johnson, who I do think is going to be a downfield threat over Josh Palmer, who can't really win downfield. So you're just going to see the big upgrade. Just Justin Herbert's going to be able to throw the ball deep downfield. And that's been an issue, not just last year, but even for college with Justin Herbert. So I think the Chargers are going to be a very fun offense to watch. I still don't think the Broncos will be. Where are you at with Quentin Johnson? I know he's a very polarizing player in the fantasy space. Yeah, so I actually didn't really like his tape all that much as a prospect. I saw some big plays, but I thought a lot of them were kind of fluky, whether it was like either a blitz that didn't get home or he broke one tackle, but it's like against the Big 12 and like how meaningful is that? I thought he had some hands issues and there was like actually just some technique issues with that. But at the same time, in this offense, he doesn't have to win on the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have to play X wide receiver because they have Mike Williams. They're going to move him around a little bit. 
He's going to just, I think, going to be a downfield threat. And his route running concerns I saw on tape mean a little bit less if you're just running go routes, posts, and corners. There's not really a whole lot of in-breaking routes, I think, in this offense for him because they have Eckler and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen already. So I do think that for all Quinton Johnson's potential flaws, his role in this offense is going to actually mask a whole lot of it. Are they going to use him maybe like Christian Watson was used last year or something like that, you think? I, I think that would make a lot of sense. I just I think the difference between Watson and Johnson is Christian Watson would get a couple underneath looks because the Packers were so desperate for play like playmakers. Yeah. Right now, I just don't think there's no reason to throw the ball underneath. If you, if you are, just do that to Austin Eckler or Gerald Everett, who's decent after the catch, or just you know throw a slant route to to Keenan. Now that he's 30 years old and playing with Jimmy G. Is this the year that we start to see some fall off from Devontae Adams? Well, the bad news for Chiefs fans, I guess, would be that Devontae Adams, I didn't think, fell off on tape at all last year. The good news is it doesn't matter because the Raiders are so bad, and I think that's going to be an issue. What we are going to see with Devontae Adams, though, I still think he'll be a fantasy wide receiver one, but he last year did it on downfield passes and touchdowns. He was absolutely dominant in both of those categories, which was really cool to see because you didn't always see that in the Packers offense. And you didn't really see that with Derek Carr all too much until Devontae Adams got there. Jimmy G does not throw the ball downfield because he doesn't create. Jimmy G is a timing quarterback and throw it over the middle. Devontae Adams also is exceptional at that. I think that he's going to have more receptions but probably way fewer touchdowns. And I think when you just kind of balance those two things out, he probably is not going to be a top four fantasy wide receiver, but I'd be pretty surprised if he was still not a top 10 wide receiver, just because the Raiders offense uh, is fine, but they need to pass the ball a ton later in games just because the defense remains pretty suspect. What do you think about the additions there in the Raiders offense, Uh, Michael Mayer and uh, Jacoby Myers in particular? Yeah, so I think Jacoby Myers is like, fine i think he's like a number two wide receiver i don't think he's really moving the needle all too much uh they definitely needed a player like jacoby myers i think hunter renfro is probably best suited as a slot number three wide receiver not a true number two darren waller wasn't adding that adding too much at least last year because he was injured michael mayer is interesting i think that he has a lot of upside and i think that he was kind of billed as a prospect as this kind of like traditional inline tight end uh just because he's like a big white dude from tight end, uh, from notre dame but he actually was not a very good blocker in my opinion he was actually used kind of similar to like dalton kincaid where you're actually going to put him out in the slot motion him around and actually win as a receiver, those type of, of tight end prospects usually take a year or two to kind of actually get uh, get things going. Um, so I'm curious to see if Michael Mayer is going to be able to buck that trend. I do think long term he's going to be an issue. I think that he's got a high potential, but I don't think he's like this like traditional tight end that everybody was kind of comping him to. I'm in a dynasty league for the first time. How much does it suck to have four hours between each pick? Okay, I did not know what I was getting into here. This is another reason why best ball format makes way more Mm -hmm. sense. I'm sitting here going on day three, and we're 15 rounds in, and there's 25 rounds, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, the fourth string running back who's a rookie on this team. I'm more or less just angry right now, and that's why I'm I'm, I'm yelling, but – Gosh, have you ever done this before? And am I an idiot for doing this? The dynasty format is fun because it's so deep, but it is so time consuming. And that's where it's like kind of the inverse of best ball. I appreciate the dynasty people. The dynasty people like are grinding all this tape for like February and stuff. And I appreciate how involved they are. But like you said, it's a, it's a big time commitment. Players or some of your league mates are dropping out because their team stinks and all that stuff. I do think that best ball does solve a lot of the issues of dynasty and we draft so many players like like 216 players get drafted every single draft in traditional best ball league. That's a lot. And you can scroll down the list much further than that. Like the fact that we're drafting Justin Ross right now and a lot of these leagues shows how deep underdog fantasy is. But at the same time, you don't have to do all of the crazy drafting and and all the the long term like waiver wires and trade offers It's too much. You guys do have slow drafts too. And I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that if you can't fit 45 minutes into your day or whatever it takes to do a fast draft, you guys have those eight hour drafts mm-hmm. where you'll get a notification on your phone. And I think I prefer the the fast drafts because I feel like people are more prone to mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. What In terms of your winners, what, was there 
a, per, a higher percentage of slow drafts or fast drafts? I'm just curious. Actually, when we looked at the data, it wasn't all that different. Um, okay. So I think it really just comes down to the preference. Like, I think if there was an advantage, it would be Friday night about midnight. You go on there, do a draft, and maybe a couple other players are in your draft that have fallen asleep or something like that. But I think for the most part, it's all about the same. It just comes down to time preference. I do both. I will pull up the draft board and enter two fast drafts at once and be managing both. And then also have like 10 uh, slow drafts going. So that way, when I'm sitting down at lunch, I can just fire off a couple picks in a row. So there's there's a little something for anybody. Dude, you're a psycho. That is too much, man. I would be so befuddled. I would be so confused. I want to ask you a couple of questions here. Um, I promise has nothing to do with my team personally, but this is actually just some guys I actually have some questions about. One I want to say is Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is a very intriguing piece because Samaje Pirine is now gone. It looked like he was getting more receiving work. Is Joe Mixon maybe a little undervalued at this point? And another guy I want to look at, not a running back, but a tight end, Dalton Schultz. He was a huge free agent signing for the Texans. Now, I know they don't have a great quarterback. It's a rookie. It could go either way. But where do rookie quarterbacks typically like to throw to? Well, to their tight ends. Is Dalton Schultz poised for a big year? Yes, I think Dalton Schultz isn't the sexiest player. I actually think that his tape is like pretty average, but everyone now assumes that he's very average. I think that his target share, like you said, is going to be fairly high. I like Nico Collins, but I think I like Nico Collins. It's kind of like a downfield kind of average seven targets per game. And I do think that Dalton Schultz kind of has that skill set to check down. I think that C.J. Stroud could deliver the ball on time uh, and is super accurate. And I think that that defense is still a couple years away even though they have will anderson so i think that schultz is going to get there as like a probably fringe tight end one but if you are going to wait really late in your drafts i do think that you can start dalton schultz in your redraft league joe mixon very complicated but i think that his upside and like we said with best ball we're shooting for upside you should be shooting for upside in your redraft league as well he has so much upside the difference last year for joe mixon was he set a career high in uh, uh, receptions and targets and all those receiving yards because defense was were changing their approach to the stopping the Bengals. When Joe Burrow was first on the scene, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, they would face a lot of cover one and cover three, one uh, safety downfield. And Joe Burrow was just throwing jump balls to these absolute superstars on the perimeter. Last year, that was not the case. They had two high shells up there. And Joe Burrow, very smart, just checks the ball down. So a lot of the swing passes were going to Joe Mixon on first and second downs because they trusted P. Ryan on third downs. But Joe Mixon was still catching so many more passes because Joe Burrow and the, what the defenses were giving him. And Joe Mixon still has like 15 touchdown upside just because the Bengals offense is so good. And we don't know who the number two uh, running back is. In fact, their number two, Travion Williams, he just had an ankle sprain in camp. So... Joe Mixon's one of Chase these Chase Brown season, right? It could be Chase Brown season. He was also a complicated prospect. I think he was a fifth-year guy. Um, some people do like him, but to me, it's just like, are you going to kind of like what you said with Deneric Prince and Patrick Mahomes? Are you really going to have a, a day-three rookie protecting your half-billion-dollar quarterback? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, with Mixon, though, is he really that good at this point, or is it more of a volume so. play? It's a volume and offense play. And if there was Samaj P. Ryan still involved, then I would be less excited. But Samaj P. Ryan like leaves behind a couple goal line carries per season. Definitely a lot of the third down work. Um, and maybe Joe Mixon has a little bit better of a season. He, I have a touchdown model and like kind of takes how close you were to the end zone and shows you how many touchdowns you should have scored. Joe Mixon was way underperforming that. If he just gets back to like league average play, he can go from like 10th in touchdowns or whatever he was last year up to like top possibly first in the league. I want to ask you about some of these younger quarterbacks and if any of them have any value in your eyes, a Kenny Pickett, a Desmond Ritter, right? Um, maybe a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young. Where do you see some of these younger quarterbacks and their value in fantasy? You know, does Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, do they have any value? Yes, I think of all the young quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson's the guy to draft because the rushing upside matters so much. Anthony Richardson's, his tape was, I think, kind of nitpicked a little bit. 
what's his secret trait is he avoids sacks. And I think part of it is he has a great instincts inside the pocket and can step up into pressure. The other thing that he has going for him, kind of that big Ben, where even if he is going to get sacked, he's too big and strong where he actually can't get sacked and he ends up scrambling around. So I think that Anthony Richardson kind of has like a chance to have like that Justin Fields type of season where like the Colts might be bad, like the bears were, but and none of the wide receivers matter for fantasy all that much, but Anthony Richardson can get there. The other quarterbacks, I just don't think run enough and aren't established enough. It's very hard for these rookie quarterbacks to kind of really produce. And I'm not sure if any of those quarterbacks uh, you just named kind of had that like Josh Allen type of upside. I think like all those teams are hoping they have like the 12th best quarterback in the league. And I don't think that really matters when you're trying to beat a Patrick Mahomes team. in yeah. fantasy. But you're saying that, for Anthony Richardson, a Cam Newton rookie year type season mm-hmm. is at least in the range of outcomes. Yeah, I hate to comp him to Cam Newton because Cam Newton was so damn good in college, but there was a lot of factors at play at Florida. He was so inexperienced. Just going back to high school, like he didn't have like the traditional like going to the Manning camps and all that stuff. He had like grind through high school to get onto Florida. Then you had COVID seasons. He was a backup. The Florida coaching staff, like it's been so odd recently. Like they weren't playing Damian Pierce, who I think is good. Like they weren't playing Kadarius Tony for a while. Kyle Pitts took a little bit of time. It's just a kind of weird coaching staff. So I think there's some hidden upside for Anthony Richardson, not for his wide receivers, but I think just for his own self. I want to ask you about maybe the most mysterious situation in the entire NFL. And that's the Atlanta passing game because I'm super high. I mean, everyone's kind of high in Kyle Pitts as a talent, but I think Drake London is just as good mm-hmm. as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And he's not being lumped in with them either from a real life or a fantasy standpoint, because Arthur Smith didn't want to throw the ball last year, mm-hmm. but watching Ritter at the end of the last season, I thought there were reasons for optimism. And also Mariota was just possibly the worst quarterback in the league last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Drake London, he reminds me of Michael Thomas. Lots of in-breaking routes, intermediate, short, could win in the screen game. Also, Michael Thomas can moss you in short uh, areas, including the red zone. I think that Drake London has that physicality. So that's kind of the upside. The difference, obviously, though, is Michael Thomas playing with Drew Brees, does Desmond Ritter, I don't like his chances of being Drew Brees by any means. Ritter has accuracy issues. That is a fact we've seen in training camp uh, practices. We saw it last year. We saw it in college. But he does seem like he has a little bit more of a sense of feel for the game compared to Marcus Mariota. And maybe he can kind of coach some of these accuracy issues out of there. But I'm with you. Drake London is very good. The thing to, to monitor is, just, is Kyle Pitts actually fully healthy. He had that knee surgery an MCL tear. Apparently that's usually like a three month injury. The fact that he sells this brace and still lumbering to me is a little bit suspicious. He's probably going to be fine, but there's at least something to monitor just in case there was a little something more going on. Anytime I see a knee brace like that, I have carry on Johnson flashbacks. Yeah. And Cortland Sutton too. Yeah. The knee right. brace is not, not a good sign. Uh, I got from that conversation that I should draft Michael Thomas. That's what I, uh, I, I received from that. We'll see. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm more of a Rashid Shahid guy. I think uh, Michael Thomas is going to be injured mm-hmm. once again, and there's going to be an opportunity for someone else. Uh, I, I have to ask you about Josh Jacobs because he's in our division. And I think, you know, being that you're in the fantasy space and he's a fantasy superstar, mm-hmm. you're probably pretty dialed into what's going on there. Do you think he's in danger of missing any games? Well, the new CBA basically made that very hard to do. The fines are very serious. They can take away accrued seasons, and he needs to get off of the franchise tag to get to uh, unrestricted free agency. Josh Jacobs, I think, is going to be out there probably in week one, though his comments were a little bit more threatening versus Saquon Barkley, who was in the same exact sphere. But I don't know how Josh Jacobs is going to go to the Raiders and ask for more than what Saquon Barkley just did. Saquon Barkley got a million dollars more in incentives for this year. I don't know how Josh Jacobs could go to the Raiders and say, I want more than what Saquon Barkley just did. To me, very similar type of talents out there. So I think the most likely scenario is he'll be there for week one, but he probably won't show up to camp until like around Labor Day. But I also don't think that Josh Jacobs necessarily needs uh, too much more practice time. I think we know who Josh Jacobs is at this point. Do you have the same 
gut feeling for Jonathan Taylor, or is that a situation that's going to be harder to put back together after the owner got involved? Yeah. So I think that scenario is worse when it comes to just the, like how they're communicating with each other, obviously, but the same situation, like the fines are very serious. He has to accrue a season. The difference to me with Jonathan Taylor is I think there's a chance that he can get traded because things have gone so sideways. And also Jonathan Taylor is dealing with some injury that's kind of mysterious. They're talking about the the ankle injury, but also that back injury. If you've seen some of these clips on on Twitter, he's been walking around very, very stiff. I don't know if that's like showmanship and he's like just trying to have some angle or something like that. But that environment's a little bit interesting. And with Jonathan Taylor, these dual threat quarterbacks make it so hard for fantasy running backs to have success because if Anthony Richardson's at their goal line, it can easily go to him. And they're, the rushing quarterbacks also don't throw to their running backs very often. Why would you if you can just run it yourself? So Jonathan Taylor has more things working against them compared to Josh Jacobs. So I have Jacobs ranked ahead of JT right now. Are you um, buying the dip? Because I got him at 32 the other day, which I thought was just of them. outrageous value. Yeah, uh, Brees Hall right now is going uh, really late because of the Dalvin Cook uh, potential fit there. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson's been dropping a little bit. So I think right now, if you are a running back guy, I think it's a great time to be drafted because, like like you said, you can get some major discounts on all these running backs. People are too scared of Dalvin and uh, Leonard Fournette and whatnot, right? Leonard Fournette is not going to make it. If Ramondre Stevenson's good, then Leonard Fournette's not getting in the way. Come on. All right. It's sleeper time, baby. Who are some under-the-radar sleepers that folks can draft in, you know, maybe the mid to late rounds? Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, one of each. What do you have? So with quarterback, I'm taking a different approach this year. I think it's very hard to find sleeper quarterbacks because the rushing quarterbacks are priced in. And the difference between like the last 10 years and now is when Tom Brady was running the league, he wasn't adding any rushing volume as a quarterback. So his peak seasons could only get so good. Now the best quarterbacks in the league also run the ball. So it's very hard to compete with one of those guys. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts fields lamar when he's good to go those dudes are hard to compete with and then the next tier we're talking about like joe burrow uh justin herbert trevor lawrence i think it's gonna be very hard for this like Kirk cousins tier to really try to match them and i all these uh young quarterbacks that we just kind of named i don't just don't see the ceiling so i'm not i don't really even have a fantasy quarterback sleeper i do have a bunch at running back and wide receiver what about gino Gino, okay, now Gino is interesting because Gino, nobody wants to really draft Gino because people don't really trust him. I thought Gino's tape was really good last year. And what he's so good at, his accuracy, and he's a very aggressive, like throwing to the intermediate and downfield parts of the field. And I think that his accuracy is very real. And that offense was sixth in neutral pass rate because they actually trust him. And they did not trust Russell Wilson. So it sounds crazy, but the Seahawks could not have nailed that any more correctly fading Russ buying into the offense coordinator buying into Geno Smith. I would be shocked if Geno Smith doesn't repeat, especially with uh, JSN now involved. I'm shocked by that. I was, I was, I'm out on Geno. I, I am out on Geno. I'm, um, I'm in man. I, um, any chance of a bounce back from a guy like Watson just on the field, of course, Deshaun yeah. Watson or Russell Wilson. So in my notes, I had that the latest quarterback I'd like to wait for is Deshaun because he goes well after the quarterbacks that we just mentioned, but he still has the potential to kind of get into that tier. And the Browns offense is going to look way different than what we've been accustomed to over the last five years. They're, they've been very slow paced historically. They've been obviously very run heavy with their running backs. This year is going to completely change. They were going to go from about in like bottom 10 in all these pass numbers. I think it's like the top 10 because they're playing with more pace. They're going to throw the ball with Deshaun Watson. They're going to play with three wide receiver sets now, now that they have a legit slot wide receiver and Elijah Moore. So I do think that Deshaun Watson has a chance to get there. And I would not be surprised if Nick Chubb goes from like kind of a mid-range fantasy uh, RB1 up to like an elite RB1 because no Kareem Hunt's there. And I think that Nick Chubb's got a chance to score a lot more touchdowns and catch some more passes this year. So you said you have a running back, even if you don't have a quarterback. 
Yes, running back sleepers. So like David Montgomery is, I think, someone that's not necessarily a sleeper, but kind of a mid-range pick that I think has a chance to really go off just because he's a great scheme fit behind the Lions offensive line. By two deep sleepers, I have CH really, really late that I have some interested in. And then Gus Edwards with the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins has kind of been weird for the last couple of years. He was fighting with his coaching staff late last year because he wanted to to play and he wasn't ready he was wrong he had to get a cleanup procedure he didn't look right on tape even after that cleanup procedure and now he's holding out in camp Harbaugh's kind of been yelling at him in the media like we need you on the field go ask jk dobbins what the deal is meantime gus edwards has been averaging five yards a carry and this offense is i think is gonna be very sweet in baltimore so i do like gus bus and then for wide receivers nico collins for the texans like i mentioned He's going into the wide receiver one role, a downfield target. We like those. I think that C.J. Stroud's better than expected. That offensive line in Houston is the actual difference maker and why I'm like projecting the Texans to go from like the worst offense in the league to like maybe like the 24th best. And like that's a big gap to go. Their left tackle's good. Their right tackle's good. They have a first round left guard. They have a second round center. They just got Shaq Mason there. What if all of them just get a little bit better? And that's where you can get your Dalton Schultz season, your Damien Pierce season, and your Nico Collins season. In there. Hayden, thank you. I've been te- – the Texans are going to be good, but it's going to be so much improved. There's a lot of room mm-hmm. there. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, someone else is with me on this Texans train. They're building yep. the right way. They're building the right way. It starts up front with them. And the offense runs through the running backs. And Damien Pierce is the guy like that. If I was, like, yeah. planning a flag this year, like, who do I think is like – going to be better than where you're going to draft him i think that's going to be damian pierce he, he can play some football and he that offensive lines will be pretty solid singletary getting added doesn't spook you at all i draft singletary late uh if i don't have damian pierce um but i think i think we know who singletary is at this point a pretty replaceable guy but a bell cow if something happens to damian pierce we don't even know who their rb3 is right now so i have interest in devin singletary just i think that damian pierce like actually might be a difference maker hmm. What about tight end? Tight end, Tyler Higby is my favorite tight end two right now. The Rams are going to be playing Madden this year. You know how we always play with crazy pace on offense. We simulate the defense. It doesn't matter if we lose 38 to 35 as long as we're having some fun. I think that's what the Rams are going to be doing because that defense is so bad. We've seen Sean McVay be like finished first in neutral pace, first in neutral pass rate. Matthew Stafford seems healthy. Cooper Cup, I think, has a chance to have a record-breaking reception season, but he's also dealing with some injuries a little bit older. Tyler Higby, now that the offensive line's better, is not going to have to pass protect more. He's going to be out in the route, and I think that Tyler Higby has a chance to catch a lot more passes than we'd like. And you even want to go deeper than that, Jake Ferguson for the Cowboys. He's replacing Dalton Schultz. Ferguson back at Wisconsin was supposed to be a receiving NFL-talented guy. Last year, he actually got on the field because he was a decent pass blocker. I think that Ferguson's got a chance to go out there and run a whole ton of routes for Dak Prescott, who historically has been targeting his tight ends. Well, Hayden, we really appreciate your time. Be sure to follow him at Hayden Winks on, I guess, what used to be Twitter and is now X or whatever. Uh, Anything you want to plug before we let you go? Yeah, if you are preparing for your your redraft league, go try best ball. Like you said, $5 puppies will be out in the lobby. We have weekly winners. We have the best ball mania. We have even drafts for $100,000 up there, different price points, but it'll get you prepared for your home league. Thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I could do this all day, man. I'm Captain America. You, you get me started on fantasy football. I'm just, I'm in. I'm in. It made me excited with uh, with Tyler Higby and uh, um, Dalton Schultz. I also have Kyle Pitts. I'm in a, a league where tight end it's it's one point PPR for every catch, but tight ends get two points for each catch. Tight end so premium, yeah, it's tight end yeah. premium. So I, I'm rolling with big. My fantasy football team is we're 13 personnel, baby. We're rolling some big boys out there. I like I like tight end premium because the tight end position can be such a barren wasteland and it's not sexy for fantasy football. And it adds a little bit more intrigue to either have two tight ends or give them 1.5 or two PPR. Uh, how many leagues are you in last year? I was in eight and I, I decided, man, I got to scale back. That, 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 that's, that sucks. That's too many, but uh, yeah, probably going to be in like five, five, three, three is my max. 
Three is all I will do. I'm in a dynasty league. I'm in a fraternity league. We got some college. And now I'm in a Arrowhead Addict League. And if you want to join that league, become a member. Yeah, that's right. If you want to play fantasy football, you think you're smarter than me? You think you're better than me? You probably are. Prove it. Come become a member at Arrowhead Addict. Uh, the membership will be in the link. Uh, we have it all. It's a lot of fun. We talk music. We talk sports. We talk um, food. We talk Kansas City barbecue. Uh, we'll talk and get on it. Chiefs during the game. We're live tweeting it, live talking on there. It's so much fun. Become a member. Kick my ass in fantasy football. A lot of fun. Yeah, and I'll be in the fantasy football leagues too. Patrick Allen was in last year. I'm sure he'll be back. It's a lot of fun to compete against each other. Uh, I'm I'm just excited it's here. Any any other thoughts on on fantasy football? I kind of think fantasy football, at least offensively, but even defensively, we're sitting there studying uh, a lot of things to give us an advantage. I think it's a great way to learn the league. Yeah, I think it's a great way. I do think it sometimes gives people a false sense of who's good and who's not. You look at, let's say, Joe Mixon, if you talked about great fantasy football, the reality of it, he's just a fine back. I think Dalvin Cook last year is a perfect example of this as well. Everyone keeps saying, well, why does he? Why is he not signed? Look what he did in fantasy football. He was he's inefficient. Not that good. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. inefficient. He's not that good. He's replaceable. Um, that's he the was one thing good. I will he, say. You know, he fell off a cliff, right? <laughs> so I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think guys in fantasy football can be compilers. You know, Justin Fields – is a much, much better uh, quarterback in fantasy than he is in real life to date. I think it's fascinating that even the fantasy space and these hardcore guys are putting big money on the line. They start prepping right after the Super Bowl ends. They can't even seem to figure out the Chiefs wide receiver room. That is fascinating to me. The other thing that's fascinating to me is last time I checked, Patrick Mahomes an underdog, but I think other places as well, has the highest ADP of quarterbacks, even though he runs less than these other guys. And I think we're at a point with Patrick Mahomes where he, he gets like a, a certainty bonus, right? He's so he's such a secure option. He's always going to have a top five season that people just want to set it and forget it, right? Well, I think you see that with Tom Brady, as he mentioned earlier on. Uh, you saw it with Aaron Rodgers to an extent. But Mahomes does get some runs, and it's not – he gets more than probably Joe Burrow. or Definitely. You know, but, yeah, he's just so consistent. And the Chiefs obviously throw the rock a ton. Uh, two ways to skin a cat, right, in fantasy football. You can have the Anthony Richardsons and the Lamar Jacksons, or you can have the Mahomes. Odds are you're going to be more consistent with the Mahomes Um you might have the better chance for a big pop-off with Lamar Jackson, but it goes, which way do you want to go? Um, yeah, Mahomes' floor is just so damn high. His floor is, all right, I'm the fifth-best quarterback in fantasy football this year, which probably means I was still the second-best quarterback in real football this week. Yeah, what did you think about his take that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is being a little underrated, maybe, because – of frustration with him and the Chiefs running game. I, I kind of do think he's going to get snaps. Yeah, what I find interesting here is there's all this talk about Daenerik Prince, Isaiah Pacheco, and we obviously know about Jerick McKinnon and his role. Jerick McKinnon has a uh, third down role, late in the season role. He's the best pass protector. He has a role. A lot of people I've talked to that are smarter than me, Clyde's going to probably get a little bit of run, you know, He's not getting traded, I wouldn't believe. He's no value. You, you see these free agent running backs still on the market right now. Why trade and give up a sixth or seventh rounder? You can get one for free, right? I mean, money, obviously, but for free as far as draft capital. I think Isaiah Pacheco has the first crack at it, but is Isaiah Pacheco going to be the third down back? You know, Clyde was getting used more and more last year um, as far as, as, a, as a pass catcher as well. I Clyde Edwards-Alaire was off to a pretty good start last year before injury. Isaiah Pacheco is better to me, but I think the people who are saying Clyde is, has no role on this team. I think they're just so angry at him being a first round running back. They're not realizing that. Okay. There's some new ones here. It's wishful thinking. I, I don't think he's a very good player. I mean, if you look at things like yard rushing yards over expected, he's, over the course of his his tenure in Kansas City, he's one of the worst in the league 
by by metrics such as that. So I don't think he's particularly good. Um, but the Chiefs did invest a lot in him. Uh, I just think he is what he is at this point in the past. I remember coming into last season, we were talking about what an appendix or something. We were making all kinds of injury excuses and they did give him first crack. They definitely did. And he got hurt. And both, I'd say both Isaiah Pacheco and uh, Jarek McKinnon seized the moment and kind of bumped him out of the rotation. So it will be interesting to see if he earns any role and it becomes a three-headed monster or if they kind of go back to the two-headed monster that won them the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I still have a hard time believing any one Chiefs wide receiver is a outstanding fantasy wide receiver this year. Um, Mahomes is going to spread the ball around. I mean, even last year, right? Juju Smith-Schuster was the Chiefs' number one wide receiver for fantasy, and he was just fine. 933 yards was at 75 receptions, I think is what it was on. Now, I'm high on Sky Moore being the most receptions, right? But I, I don't know how many yards at, at best. I think at best this year, Adam, you're looking at a Juju Smith-Schuster year. Okay, I think that's the ceiling this season. I'm not saying there's not room for improvement, but you you set, you go from 250 yards to 933. That is a ridiculous jump. Ridiculous. I think MVS is the most consistent guy. You're probably looking around 650 yards, a few touchdowns here and there, but probably not the receptions to keep that floor high. You know me, Richie James, as much as I love him, I'm not going to sit here and say Richie James is going to be a massive impact player in fantasy football. I think what you're looking at as far as guys that I truthfully trust on this Chiefs team Mahomes, obviously. Kelsey's the number one tight end by a wide margin. I think Kelsey should be drafted in the first round of any any fantasy football draft, as long as it's a redraft league. If you're not, you are missing out on probably the biggest advantage of one guy over the rest of the position group in the NFL. Um, that's the way I look at it. I, I typically do pretty well in fantasy football, at least in my, my money leagues for that exact reason. I go for how much better is this guy over the rest of his peers at that position. That's why I typically draft Travis Kelsey fairly early on if I get the opportunity, okay? But when it comes to the Chiefs wide receivers, it's going to be such a mixed bag. I almost stay away unless you're getting an extremely good deal. But if you're like me, you're playing in a league with a lot of Chiefs fans, those guys are going early. Yeah, and we have the bet. I I, um, was pretty brave, and my side of the bet is easier on Sky Moore. But – you know, a thousand yards would be quite the milestone, but you said at best he's going to recreate Juju's year. Well, Juju uh, was new in the system. He missed a couple games due to injury. So I, I think it's possible also when you consider that uh, he's a really rare situation. He's kind of like Devontae Adams. I'm not saying he's that kind of talent, but second round pick, early declare from a non power five school. It just doesn't happen. It was always going to take him some time to acclimate. I think I have another bet for you, but there was a stat that I just remembered that I forgot earlier, and it's that uh, Justin Watson got mentioned. And this is why I'm so much higher on Richie James and now even Justin Ross. Let's see what Justin Ross has. So Justin Watson ran 128 more routes than Sky Moore, and yet they earned the same amount of targets, 32. He is just an empty calorie receiver out there. I know he knows the pay, you know, he knows the playbook and he can block and all those things, but I don't think the Chiefs can throw him out there, especially alongside MVS, who's not exactly a target hog himself. Yeah. It's a good point. It's gonna be Richie James, Sky Moore as the target guys. The reception guys, I just don't know how many they're going to get. It's going to be a week-by-week basis. You know how this offense runs. You I know how, how Andy Reid, Mahomes, they spread this ball around. It's not uncommon to see, what, seven, eight, nine dudes come down with a target or a catch in a game. You know, he'll spread the ball around to probably three tight ends, Travis Kelsey, but then don't forget Jody Fordson might get a catch here and there. Oh, yeah, Noah Gray might get a catch here and there. Oh, yeah, you see Clyde, Pacheco, uh, both getting, what, two catches a game. I mean, the ball gets spread around like a hot potato in the Chiefs' offense. They don't care who gets the numbers. They don't care who puts up the big stats. They understand there's more at play here. Some wide receivers, they're about me, me, me. You saw DK Metcalf in Seattle. I still remember this vividly. Russell Wilson was there complaining he did not get the rock on a play. What happened? The very next play, Russell Wilson tries to force in the ball. It was a pick six. The Chiefs don't have a me-first type of player. They don't. 
It helps you in the real game and the real life of NFL, but it hurts you in fantasy football. I think the thing about being wide receiver, though, is you're out on an island and just the nature of that position. I think you have to have extreme confidence, bordering on irrational confidence to just think that you're always open. Uh, but I'm with you, man. Richie James, watch him on the waiver wire. If you're doing best ball, hit him at around pick 200 or whatever. I think he's got a good chance to get a sneaky five or 500, 600 yards. Uh, it would not shock me. Here's the bet idea. I don't know if you're going to go along with it, but you're a George Carl off this guy. I'm a Charles Aminahue guy. Do we want to bet on who has more sacks? I get Carl off as you get a Minahue. Correct. I will also say, you know, Charles is probably going to be suspended a game or two. Yeah, I think I'll still take the bet. Okay. What do you want to bet? Oh, we may have to think about that. I don't. I don't know. We already did. We already did something with facial hair. I'm not shaving my head. Oh. I get Carl Loftus. Uh huh. You get a Minahue. I'm writing this down. I have a. I have a. A. A season long bet to, uh, totality uh, pad over here. And you got bets with me. You got bets with Tucker Franklin, Connor. Like you're racking them up, aren't you? Best is this. I have Karloff to sacks, and we are betting. I don't know. You gonna bet like a fifth of bourbon? Yeah, something like that. I, I prefer tequila, so we'll we'll go tequila versus bourbon. You know? Okay. Uh, fifth. Just no bottom shelf stuff, but no. Uh, you're gonna be pleading the fifth once I'm done with you, pal. Ooh. I mean, come on. Carl Loftus is going to crush you now that this is locked in. Locked in. I mean, seriously, you're going to choose the dude who's going to be missing games. Your best hope is that it's only one or two games. Good luck, best. I like my bets, baby. He might not miss any games at all. And if sure. You, if you look at his pass rush win rate, he is one of the most underrated players in the league, stepping into a full-time role, kind of coming into his own after being in the league for a while. I'm very high on him. So uh, we, we shall you're see. You're high, all right, pal. I'm telling you, man, Charles Aminahue is going to have a breakout season. He's going to be one of the breakout players for the Chiefs this, this year. But that's all we've got for you on this Wacky Wednesday. Until next time, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.